just believe the Lord would just say to us this morning now, quieten your heart. Quieten your heart. Be still in your spirit, in your heart, and know that he is God. This great God who we have been worshipping this morning, whose names, whose character, whose attributes have been on, the, on our lips and in our singing and our praise this morning. You, the God of all creation, the universe, and yet, and yet, you've come to us. You've revealed yourself to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have come to this earth. You have suffered and died for us that we might have peace with God and with ourselves. So, Lord, I pray, speak to us this morning through this psalm. Lord, you know our hearts. Spirit of God, just come and reveal yourself. Reveal the Father's love to each one of us this morning. At whatever stage of the journey we're on, whether we're about to start a massive new adventure in a new country, or whether we're here, perhaps doing what we've always been doing, maybe we feel even mundane things, yet, Lord, you come to us. And so we thank you. Speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ooh, amen. Okay. <laughs> right. I don't know what you think when I mention the numbers 111 to you. What does it conjure up in your mind? And I'm very conscious that amongst us we have a number of people who work in the medical profession. And I can already see uh, one or two acknowledgements that to these people, if not all of us, 111 means one thing. <laughs> the NHS 111 call number. Now, uh, in an attempt to try and tell you what this number is, I have gone to the computer and the internet because I think, or I thought, that maybe this would be the answer to what the NHS number 111 is. And this is what I found. Now, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Excuse me a minute. This happens, you see. I've got two new eyes now. I've had my cataracts dealt with, which is great. Wait a minute. I'm struggling here. <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay, just switching me up again. What a great start! Oh Anyway, where were we? Oh yes, the NHS one one one. This is what it says. NHS one 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 is a free number to call when you have an urgent healthcare need. It directs you to the right local service. First time. 
it is available across the whole of England, making it easier for you to access urgent healthcare services when you need medical help fast. It is available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Okay? I trust that's a reasonable definition or explanation of what the NHS 111 uh, is all about. But this morning, I want to introduce you to another number 111, Psalm 111. <laughs> and I want to tell you that Psalm 111 is a psalm that you can access at any time, <laughs> whether you need help or not. It will direct you to God, the right service for you, first time. It is available not only in England, but it will be available in Beirut. <laughs> Anywhere in the world, making it easy to access at any time. It is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It is a psalm for everyone here this morning. It is a psalm like all the rest that we've all been enjoying over the last few weeks that will do you good this morning. It is a psalm for you today. And so we're going to read it. It's psalm, in case you hadn't gathered what the number is, it's, what is it? One, one, one. Okay, I haven't got PowerPoints. I apologise if you follow uh, people's messages on PowerPoint. Uh, I trust that my words will be clear. So, Psalm 111, this is what it says. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for all who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just, all his precepts are trustworthy. They are steadfast forever and ever, done in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. What more do I really need to say? Just before I get into the main bit of what I want to say this morning, I just want to explain just a very, very brief background because at the bottom of my Bible, on this, this particular page, it tells me that this psalm is what's called an acrostic psalm. Now, I've heard that word before, and I thought I knew what it meant, but I'd forgotten this week. That's what happens sometimes when you reach a certain age. 
but we'll pass by on that one. And so this psalm is what is called an acrostic psalm. What that simply means is that, that, that each line of the psalm begins with successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, to us, that may not seem obvious, but to them, those centuries ago, the author, whose name we're not told, and in the other psalms, that so often, this would have been a way that they would have written these psalms. A little bit like, maybe, the songs that our songwriters write today that we've been singing about. Those songs weren't written in the days of the Bible that we've been singing about. They've been, they've been written relatively recently, and yet, it brings out truth that the, 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 the writer of the, of the song or the psalm wants to get across to others. So for those people, uh, it would have been maybe an easy way for them to learn the psalm because it started with the letter of the alphabet in the Hebrew uh, tongue. And so it would have had huge relevance to God's people at that time when it was written and in the years that followed. The psalm would quite likely, and this is pure conjecture, and you can tell me I'm completely wrong later on if you want, and I won't be offended, but it would seem quite likely to me that the people of God would have memorised these psalms. It would have been something that father would have passed on to son. It would be something that they would be able to repeat in de- uh, uh, when the need uh, arose. And so that's just a, a little bit. And uh, for those of us who are in, uh, who, who meet midweek in different groups, there'll be a little bit of follow-up on this um, acrostic idea because, as we'll come out during the uh, during the morning, I want to want you to have a focus on the greatness of God. And uh, the, the songs we're singing have been just all about that. Now, last week, Jonathan. Uh, one thing I do remember about what Jonathan said, <laughs> uh, amongst others, was about this picture frame. And it was, it was uh, uh, Robin mentioned it earlier this morning, about sometimes our perception of God is like a picture frame. It might be that size, and that is how we perceive God. Um, and sometimes we don't fully understand his ways and his understanding and the direction because we think that we've heard from God and then other things happen. And, and uh, Jonathan very helpfully took us through uh, the issues that were evolved. But this morning I want us to, 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 as it were, look outside the framework of the picture of God you've got just for a few minutes and see uh, a bigger picture of God if I'm able to do that. So that is where my aim is this morning, is to... Uh, declare and demonstrate God's greatness. And I make no apology for that because I think it's when we start thinking about God's character and his attributes uh, that we begin to see life in a perspective that helps us in whatever situation we are to see a bigger picture, to put it, if I can put it that way. So I found that picture of uh, the picture frame picture actually very useful. And uh, so I just want us to think, well, maybe I need just to take my picture of who I think God is out of the frame and say, Lord, make it bigger this morning. And so we're going to start, uh, I'm going to be going all over this psalm. It's not going to be verse by verse. I'm going to mention verses that come and go. My thoughts are going to be a little bit like that as well. Um, But verse 2 tells us straight away that great are the works of the Lord. They are to be pondered by all those who delight in him. 
And uh, so just, uh, we, I just wanted to break this down into two bits. First of all, the power of his works in the universe. In verse 6, he has made, he has shown his people the power of his works. And then secondly, the works of his hands, verse 7, which we are told are faithful and just. And um, I'll be quoting from um, a couple of sources, one of which is Andrew Wilson's book called Incomparable. Now, you may have read this, um, and I dug it out of the loft, where I'm afraid my books are kept for sake of space this week, um, to look at it again, and I just uh, have got caught up in it again. It's, it's a brilliant book. Now, I'm told there are two books that are available this morning for you to get before you leave this room. But let me just uh, whet your appetite about what it says on the back. Infinite, indescribable, incomparable. There is no greater pursuit, no greater journey, and no greater joy than being changed by the extraordinary character of God. Incomparable explores 60 names and descriptions of our creator. Each short reflection is filled with profound biblical insights and revelation that will inspire and enrich your faith. And it finishes by saying, immense yourself, in God's character. Delve into the depths of his presence and explore a God who is truly beyond compare. So I recommend that too if you haven't already got it. If you have got it, dig it out and read again, just one little section each day, and uh, keep your mind, as it were, um, uh, watered with different aspects of God's uh, character. But anyway, in this book, um, Andrew Wilson makes this point, and I quote, God did not make one mistake in his creation. Nothing got made because God was having a bad day or could not be bothered, nor even the smallest creatures. On Tuesday this week, it just happens to be the 42nd anniversary of the launch of an amazing space mission that I was reading about this week. Now, if you, were not, uh, if you are 42 years well, probably a bit older than that, or younger. You will not, perhaps, have remembered. But in those days, uh, space mission, these early space missions, were captured the imagination of, of, of the nation and probably the world. The pictures that came up on our, our screens uh, of the launch and what apparently was going to happen was just mind-blowing, to put it like that. And so it was on the 20th of August, 1977, that the uh, Voyager 2, an interplanetary probe, launched to observe the tr uh, and transmit to Earth data about the outer planetary system, set off from Earth, traveling faster than the speed of a bullet, 90,000 miles an hour. 12 years later, again in August, in the week after next, on the 28th of August, 1989, 12 years later, it reached Neptune, 2,700 million miles from Earth. Voyager 2 then left the solar system. It will not come in within one light, one light year of any star for 958,000 years. In our galaxy, there are 100,000 million stars like our sun. In a throwaway line in Genesis chapter 1, verse 16, the writer tells us he also made the stars. Such is God's power. And then again this week, um, I found this little article. 
in the newspaper, and it's headed down 39 supermassive, in inverted commas, new galaxies found. Now, I, I, I'm also aware that I'm, I'm sure there are people in this room who know far more about physics and all this sort of thing than I do. So I'm just um, actually, you might know all this anyway, but for me, this is extraordinary. Um, this, is what it, this is what the writer says. Dozens of, inverted commas, supermassive galaxies have been found on the edge of the universe. Astronomers have discovered 39 of the ancient galaxies which have made up to 10 times the mass of our own Milky Way. It is the first multiple discovery of its kind, uh, listen to this, and throws current assumptions about the universe into doubt, researchers say. <laughs> scientists, I love this, <laughs> uh, scientists at the University of Tokyo say the galaxies were formed, and uh, this, this is where you just have to, you just have to take this uh, because it's a newspaper article, not because it's what I'm saying, but... Uh, Anyway, it says that it were formed two billion years ago following the Big Bang, which occurred 13, whatever it was, billion years ago. Each one creates a new star every couple of days, compared with the one around every six months in the Milky Way. The study published in the journal Nature also says that the galaxies are closely connected with supermassive black holes and the distribution of, black, of dark matter. And it goes on to talk a little bit about, uh, about that. And then um, there's a comment by uh, a guy at University of Tokyo, and this is the sort of the, his punchline. Massive galaxies are intimately connected with the distribution of dark matter. Theoretical researchers will need to update their theories. Now, I am no physicist or scientist, but I love that comment. The researchers will need to update their theories. They've been doing that for years, and they will continue to do so. Don't worry if you don't understand that, because the most brilliant and intellectual brains in the world cannot fathom the enormity of the universe and how it occurred. And then the, on the other side, besides the universe and the, the, the vastness of the universe, we have what we know as the smallest creature known to us, which is a diatom, so I'm told. There are over 100,000 known species of this visibly tiny algae-like creatures. They are up to a million of them in one teaspoonful of lake water. Don't ask me how that happens. And some estimates they supply 35% of the world's oxygen. Every one of them testifies to the works of his hand, the works of, his, of the Lord. Indeed, people will have to update their theories. And my prayer is that they might find the great God of the universe who will be the answer to that. You see, even in the days when the Psalms were written, even in their uh, small understanding of, of, of the world as it was then, we read these things. Psalm 9, verse 2, I will tell of your wonders. Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Psalm 77, 12, this is the last one, I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. And that's what I want you and me to do this week. And then secondly, the works of our hands. If you think about how God created every diatom, 
how much more can we be sure that he made us, you and me, carefully and wonderfully? We are made in his image. We're not made in God's image. We're made in God's image. Again, quoting Andrew Wilson in this book, he says, our heart, for example, pumps enough blood during your lifetime to fill a string of tanker trucks stretching from Boston to Washington, D.C., and it pumps it 186 million miles. These are figures that are truly amazing. Even more astonishing with the work of God's hand is our brain. And again, I'm quoting uh, a guy who is a professor or associate professor of psychology at Vanderbilt University, a guy called René Marios. Again, it's in, in this book. This is where I get you all my material from. Anyway, he talks in this book, he says, the human brain is heralded for its staggering complexity and processing capacity. It's 100 billion neuro, neurons and several hundred trillion synaptic connections can process and exchange large amounts of information over a distributed network of brain tissue in a matter of milliseconds. Such massive parallel processing capacity permits our brain to analyze complex images in a tenth of a second, allowing us to visually experience the richness of the world. And he goes on. I won't read any more of that for the moment. If you find all those things beyond your comprehension, don't worry. <laughs> but what I will want to tell you is a big but in all this. But. But verse 10 gives us a clue in this Psalm 111. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. Now, we might not understand everything, but when we become a Christian, we realize that other things fit into place regarding the universe and ourselves. And the, if you look at this Psalm 111, there are 15 characteristics of God or attributes of God. Verse 3, I just want you to think about this. Just close your eyes for a minute and just listen to this. Verse 3, he's glorious, he's majestic, he's righteous. Verse 4, gracious, compassionate. Verse 5, provides our daily needs. His covenant does not change. Verse 6, powerful. Verse 7, faithful, just, trustworthy. Verse 8, steadfast, done in faithfulness and uprightness. Verse 9, Redeemer, holy, awesome. Is this someone who you would like to get to know more? So what should our response be to all these facts and figures that I've been mentioning and reading about? Again, we have a clue in Psalm 111, verse 1. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly and it's simply this, when we gather together on a Sunday morning, do not take it for granted. <laughs> do not take it for granted. To my shame, sometimes I have. And I think, hmm. Do you know what? There are probably tens of hundreds of thousands of people around the world today who would love to be in a gathering like this, or in, in whatever shape or form, we worship God. I will, in the counsel of the upright. That's why it's so good to sing songs together. That's why we spend time 
in extolling God because we are worshipping one. In one way, he doesn't need our worship. But that's the way that we can respond. It's a tangible way we can respond to the greatness of God. I just want you to see that something of the greatness of God, something of his awesomeness, of his holiness, of his splendor, of his power this morning. I, I, I can't even begin to, to grasp it, but I'm trying. Um, again, just recently, I was reading in uh, a, a devotional called Bible in One Year, which is uh, a devotional at Nicky Gumbel, who, uh, it was, who's done a lot with the Alpha uh, course that, uh, uh, that, that we do from time to time. This is what Nicky Gumbel says. We worship not necessarily because we feel like it, nor because things are going well. In fact, sometimes we worship in spite of difficult circumstances and hard times. Neither do we worship because it necessarily makes us feel good, although often we feel the need to worship for spiritual refreshment. Rather, we see from this psalm that we worship because of who he is. <laughs> we worship because of who he is. So I want to encourage you this morning to, uh, to, to sing these, uh, these songs that we've been singing. Get, get, uh, get them onto your tablets, get them onto your phones, uh, have them on in the background. With Even Alexia, I discovered, plays Christian music. <laughs> um, anyway, we won't go down that road. But seriously, um, songs, hymns, you know, even today, I want to encourage those who are in the band and, uh, you know, who sort of know the songs, you know, write out some of the thoughts that you get as you're preparing. Uh, write out maybe some script or something. Let's get new songs. Let's have new songs about God's greatness. Now, uh, just looking at verse 9 here, there's one word, uh, one of the ways, the characteristics of God. It talks about him being holy and... Um, a, a songwriter from a couple of centuries ago uh, wrote an amazing song called Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And it goes, it carries on. Early in the morning, our song will rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty. And then the last verse says this. You see, you can't get away from this, just this one word, holy. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. All thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty. You see, God, want, God loves you and wants you to give your life to him and follow him. It tells us in verse 2 of this psalm that he is, uh, sorry, verse 4, that he is gracious and compassionate. In Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, there are these very poignant words that sum up something of what I want to uh, I'm going to get across today. It says this, he, referring to God, has made everything beautiful in its time. And li listen to this, he has also set eternity in the hearts of men. They cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. <laughs> that would be my logo statement at the end, really. We cannot understand, we cannot fathom it. But God has Set eternity in your heart. Something. Set eternity in your heart. There's something in us. It's something in our DNA. That everybody. That God has put in there. 
He has set eternity. We just have a foretaste of that. And then we can, besides worshipping together, we can also praise him for his greatness individually. Here are some examples of how we can respond individually. They come from this psalm. But it comes from verse 5. It says, he provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He remembers his covenant forever. And the challenge for us this morning is for us to remember what God, who God is like, who he is. He is before all things when we are surprised by the events in our lives. He is faithful when other friends let us down. He is the God of love when we feel unloved and need a hug. He is the God who is there when we feel alone and abandoned. He is mighty God, our strength, when we feel weak and struggling with temptation. He is never failing the same when we are fickle and faithless. He is our redeemer. He is the one who, through Jesus Christ, has paid the price of our sin fully on the cross and gave his life and blood so that we might be redeemed, forgiven, and have the hope of eternal life. And he is unchanging when we have been shaken. Again, coming back to some old hymns, uh, this one, uh, again, I was just thinking about this week, and I was reading the story behind it. It's called Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing, and it was written by Charles Wesley to commemorate the first anniversary of his conversion. Charles Wesley was perhaps the greatest hymn writer in Methodist history. He wrote apparently over 6,000 hymns. He and his brother, this is interesting, admitted that they had made more converts through their hymns and through their preaching. So I hope that you have learned from the, the hymns, even if you haven't learned anything from me this morning. But seriously, that was, you know, that's, the power of, that's the power of music, that's the power of words, of, of speaking God's truth. Anyway, Charles Wesley usually celebrated each anniversary on his birthday by writing a hymn of praise to God. That's not a bad idea, is it, on our birthdays, to write a hymn of praise? I've only just thought about that. But uh, why not do it? So it's your birthday today. Write a song. It doesn't have to be your birthday, but it's just a thought. Um, little wonder, therefore, that on the first anniversary of his conversion, his spiritual birthday should be celebrated by one of the most helpful hymns we st still sung around the world today. When Charles Wesley was, was converted, he had been ill for, in bed for some time, and the fear of death had often come into his mind. On Sunday, May 21st, 1738, his brother and some friends came in and sang a hymn. After they went out, he prayed alone for a long time. In his journal, this is what he wrote, I was composing myself to sleep in quietness and peace when I heard one come in and say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, arise and believe, and thou shalt be healed of all thine infirmities. The word struck me to the heart. I lay musing and trembling. With a strange palpitation of heart, I said, yet feared to say, I believe, I believe. These memories he has woven into that wonderful third verse of the hymn, Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease. Tis music in the sinner's ear, tis life and health and peace. The words may be slightly outdated in our culture, in our world, in our world today, but the truth is the same. You see, here was one man who was in fear of death. He was in fear because he was ill, 
and yet he heard the voice of God. I love it. I love it. I'm going to read the whole of this, this hymn. I'm sorry. You'll just have to live with me for a couple of minutes. I'm nearly there. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of his grace. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad the honours of thy name. And then this verse that I've just read, Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrow cease, tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. He breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. He speaks and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. The mournful, broken hearts rejoice, the humble, poor believe. Hear him, ye deaf. That's a great one for me. Hear him, ye deaf. His praise you dumb, your loosened tongues employ. Ye blind, behold your Saviour come, and leap, ye lame, for joy. We're not going to sing that, we're going to sing another great song in a minute, but I just want to finish. Yeah, I just want to finish. <laughs> Uh, recently I've been quite challenged um, because I see, I, I suppose what had happened was back when, we, when we came back to this country about seven years ago, uh, really, oh, excuse me, one of the things that I, re I really struggled with was the pace of life here and the culture. We'd only been away abroad for 12 years and yet everything seemed to be different and People were just, just uh, darting here, there, and everywhere. At least that was how I took it. Maybe it was because I, we lived in a country that, where people were basically laid back. And uh, I missed that, actually. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> but uh, I think I still struggle, you know, with, with that. I think I still struggle with the pace of, if I can use that expression. We seem to be caught up in a, a world that is so fast. We have modern appliances that help us in our day-to-day -day life, some of which are very helpful. And now we have... Uh, and the whole idea of these new things, at least I think they are, is to make life a bit easier. Well, I'm sure they do, like washing machines, you know, that sort of thing. But you then get technology, and it seems like things are just getting faster and faster. You know, the moment someone says something, it's right across the world. Oh, could be. And... Um, It worries me. I think, you know, that, that can come into the church. That can come into our lives as Christians. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be busy. But what I am saying is that there's a battle sometimes going on in our, in our, in our hearts. And uh, the Bible talks about Satan as being the enemy of our soul. And the Bible tells us that because he is the enemy of our soul. He wants to stop you and I doing what we're doing this morning. <laughs> what you and I do during the week when we start thinking about him, when we start reading our Bibles, when we start praying, when we listen to songs. He wants to stop that. Why? Because he knows that when you are in touch with your Father God in heaven, that you are going to be blessed and stirred and encouraged. It'll do lots of other things as well. 
So there's a battle for our time. And I tell you what, when you're retired, it, it's even worse. It's even worse when you're retired. Because you, there's always something to be done. I think I have a list of everything I do each day. I sit down and work out. You probably think, well, why do I have to do that? You know, I don't have to be someone who does things now I'm retired. Maybe you're right. But, but the, the, the point I'm making is this, about making time for God. Now, Dom, bless him, he, he goes on and on to us about this, and I tell him, keep on to us, about being still and knowing that I am God. That's, that's our, sort of, our sort of logo statement um, at the moment. But Don will keep saying this. When he says it, go up to him and say, keep telling us, keep telling us, because we all need to hear that, because we all get so engrossed. I'm not saying that what we do is wrong, but we, we, we fail to spend, uh, perhaps we, we do ourselves grief um, in some way. Now, coming back to, I've gone been a bit long on that, but I was just reading in a devotional recently about uh, just taking time out, that's five, um, just during the day, the illustration was of a businessman shutting his door of his office and just spending, getting on his knees and praying for five minutes or just work, just singing for five minutes, just for five, I, I don't know if it was five minutes, but this sort of five minutes came into my mind. And so, um, and, and it's, if you, want, if you want a little sort of title for it, you can say the five minute praise, prayer, pause. Now, I'm not telling you what you should do <laughs> this week when you're up to your eyes in the hospital or uh, if you're, you know, you're not at school now if you're a teacher, but um, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing. It's just that thought, five minutes. Five minutes, I'm actually going to, doesn't have to be five minutes, just shut the door <laughs> and think about God. Something, one of the characteristics that, that from this Psalm 111, you can start making your own list of God's characteristics. Uh, just write them down, A to Z. And then just drop them down as you, as, you, uh, as you find them. And you'll find that you'll carry on. There are dozens of them, dozens. And um, I'm still, I, I, I think it's great. Just think about one characteristic of what I've given. There's 15 in this psalm. So, okay, let's take one. He is compassionate. Just think about God's compassion. Okay, five minutes up, and we'll, you, you carry on with your work. I mean, it might sound a bit simplistic, but uh, it's, it's all part of our relationship with God. Okay, we're finished there. Um, we'll have the, have the band come back. Um, we're going to sing um, a song which really sums up uh, really what I've been trying to say. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all thy hands has done, thy work has made... While they're coming up, I'm just going to read from this, the message translation of this psalm. And this is what it says. Hallelujah, I give thanks to God with everything I've got. Wherever good people gather and in the congregation, God's works are so great, worth a lifetime of study, endless enjoyment, splendor and beauty mark his craft. His generosity never gives out. His miracles are his memorial. This God of grace, this God of love. He gave food to them, that to those who fear him. He remembered to keep his ancient promise. He proved to his people that they could do what he said. Hand them the nations on a platter, a gift. He manufactures truth and justice. All his products are guaranteed to last 
never out of date, never obsolete, rust-proof. All that he makes and does is honest and truth. He paid the ransom for his people. He ordered his covenant kept forever. He's so personal and holy, worthy of our respect. The good life begins in the fear of God. Do that and you'll know the blessing of God. His hallelujah lasts forever. Amen.